Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Last week, um, it was more of a transitional message that we ministered coming out of the thought of the secret sauce of a strong marriage. And um, last week, we highlighted the fact that marriage is a covenant. Somebody shout covenant. It's a covenant, not a contract. We define a contract as um, an agreement to perform a set of deeds based on the actions of another party. So if you will, I will. So I have a contract on my house. I have a contract with my car, direct TV, my cell phone. As long as, watch this, as long as I pay my mortgage, the bank allows me to stay in my house. As long as I pay my car note, the bank allows me to drive my car. (laughs) The moment I stop performing my set of actions, then they'll stop performing their set of deeds. Uh, It's called repossession or foreclosure. Okay. So, so that's a contract. Whereas a covenant is a promise established based on, watch this, not what you do, but it's based on the value of the other party. So I, I choose to do this, not based on what you do, but I choose to do this because of who you are. Marriage is a, it's a covenant, not a contract. And so, just, just doing a quick review, we highlighted four uh, tenets of a covenant. Four, if it's a biblical co- covenant, it's going to have these four elements. It's going to have a promise. It's going to have blood. <laughs> Jesus. It's going to have blood. There will be a symbol, and then there will be some reminder of that particular symbol. And we looked at very, various different covenants. Um, God established a covenant with the entire earth. He said, he gives a pledge, I will never curse the earth again by flooding the entire. And he, he, he had Noah to, to, to give a blood sacrifice. He puts a symbol and the reminder in the sky, and we call it what, y'all? Rainbow. So when it comes to... Marriage, we give the pledge at the altar. Beautiful woman walks down the aisle. Father on her side. Father gives her away. And I pose the question to both her and the man. Will you have this woman to be your wedded wife to live together in the holy state of matrimony? Will you love her, comfort her, honor, keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? Keep yourself only unto her so long as you both shall live. And he responds, I will. Give the same pledge to her. She responds, I will. That is the pledge. The blood happens on the honeymoon night when there is the breaking of the virgin's hymen. And this leads me to the ultimate symbol. Watch this. And reminder of marital oneness. Watch this. The symbol, the symbol, the symbol. The symbol of oneness in the marriage is not the ring. It's not the ring because this is not a you. Watch this. God didn't make a ring for Adam and Eve. <laughs> they didn't have on wedding rings. The, the, the God symbol for marital oneness is sex. Because sex is the only physical picture, watch this, of two bodies becoming one. Genesis 2.24 The Bible declares, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be, what y'all, one flesh. So beginning today um, for the next at least three weeks, we're going to highlight this topic. Somebody shout covenant sex. Boy, it's so quiet up in here. (laughs) Like, pastor, where you going? (laughs) Covenant, covenant sex. 
I think it's right to talk about this particular topic and understand my role as a pastor. Uh, the scripture teaches that my role is to feed the flock of God, to, to give you guys wisdom, knowledge, instruction. And it is more than just, watch this, it's more than just studied knowledge, although I should study. But as a pastor, my responsibility is to give you revelated knowledge. What is revelated knowledge? It is the body of knowledge that's needed for this current moment. And the current moment that we're living in right now as a society is this right here. 57 of men, 57% of men admit to committing infidelity in any relationship. And 54% of sisters say the same. 20% of men and 13% of women have committed adultery at least once in their marriage. 74% of men, watch this, this is crazy. Some of y'all have heard this already. Say they would have an affair if they knew they wouldn't get caught. And 68% of sisters say the same. Because it's pretty interesting. Um, for the past 15 years that I've been pastoring and I've had several situations that I've had to deal with infidelity in a relationship and try to walk a couple through that. And what I found out is women cheat just as much as men. Women are just usually smarter than brothers. <laughs> brothers come in with underwear on backwards. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Understand? Why your drawers on backwards? What you talking about? I always wear this way. No, I think this is a real irrelevant topic because, because um, okay, let's, let's just talk about this for a second because it would be interesting because the conversation, if I was a brother and we were in a locker room, it would be a whole lot more noise than what it is right now. Or if I was a sister at the spa with a bunch of sisters. <laughs> conversation would be a whole lot different, but since we're all together, sisters and brothers looking straight ahead. And I'm with you, I'm with you, and I think it's right again to highlight this because, because watch this, you do know that God created sex and not the devil. I mean, God is like the author of sex. I mean, he, he's the one who said, you know, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and the two shall become, what, y'all, one flesh. And then the next verse says, you're both naked and not ashamed. God said that, not the devil. So when it comes to sex education, some of us got educated in school. Some of, some of us got educated. Um, um, some of us got educated by our parents. Some, some, some of us, our parents actually taught us uh, uh, the, the value of virginity and what sexuality is, is all about, and, and that's good. But some of us, we got, we got educated in the backseat of a car when we was 12 or 13 years old. Some of, some of us got educated in front of a magazine or in front of a computer screen. So watch this. We're trying to do something holy within matrimony that we learned in sin. And we're trying to figure out why something that should really be beautiful, it seems like it really ain't working for us. For some sisters, it's a duty. For some brothers, I'm frustrated because I want more. She act like, she, she act like, she act like, she act like. So, so I want to highlight, highlight covenant sex, and when it comes to covenant sex, there are three levels. Somebody shout three levels. And, and this, is what, this is what we miss in general. Espe matter of fact, let me say it right now. For Christians, sex should be the best for the believers in holy matrimony. Let me tell you why. Because the true level of fulfillment within the sexual bed has to hit all three levels, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. When it comes to the world, they primarily sell the physical aspect of sexuality, 
but they miss the emotional component and they can't touch the spiritual component. And I'll show you why in just a moment. So we're going to highlight a book of the Bible and scripture that you don't hear preached often and shame on me. Shame on me. I've done exegetical studies on pretty much every book of the Bible except for this one. But as for today and the next week or two, we're going to change that. Can somebody say amen to that? Because Song of Solomon reveals God's heart concerning sexuality. When it comes to sexuality, I don't want you to just hear from the pulpit, you better not, you better wait, don't do that. Ooh. But I actually want you to hear God's heart concerning sexuality. Can the church say amen to that? Watch this. Um, in the book of Song of Songs, you have four characters. You have uh, the, the husband, and this is a married couple talking about their experience. You, you have the husband, which, which is Solomon. You have his wife, the Shulam, his wife, the Shulamite woman, and you have her friends, and you have his friends. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about her friends and his, his friends because they have some interesting things to say. I primarily want to highlight her conversation and his conversation. So she says, verse number two, watch this, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. When she talks about his love, she's talking about the way you treat me. The way you interact with me is sweeter than wine. Three says, how fragrant your cologne, your name, somebody shout your name. Whenever you see name in the scripture, it's highlighting the character of the individual. Your name is like it's spreading fragrance. No, woman, no wonder all the young women love you. They, they love you because they see you as a man of God. Just look at a brother and say, brother, be a man of God. Be a man of God. Be a man of God. Because watch this, a woman of God, the most attractive, the most sexy thing to a woman of God is a man of God. Y'all ain't saying that in, in, in this place. In, and, and I, I, wanna, I just want to encourage the brothers, and I'm, I'm going to throw myself in there as well. I want to encourage the brothers just, just for a moment. Man, when we in worship, I want you to worship. We in praise, I want you to, I want you to praise. I mean, you ain't, you know, I mean, watch this. Okay, so, so I understand, brother. You ain't going to be like, you ain't going to be doing that. <laughs> I do understand. But at least, you know what I'm saying? Watch this. Watch this. You can lift your hands. You can, watch this. Watch this. You can at least rock the baby. Rock the baby. Rock the baby. Rock the baby. Yes. Watch this. Watch this. I caught a fish this big. And every once in a while, touchdown. Thank you, Jesus. You understand? You can, every, every once in a while, you can just lift your, lift your hands as an outward expression that God has been good to. Can somebody say amen up in this place? I mean, just think about it for a second, because I believe, I believe that church, and, and that there's some, so, so like whatever your favorite football, basketball, whatever team is, whenever that quarterback throws for a touchdown, whenever your player makes that three-point, I'm talking about that ridiculous three-point shot, what do you do? You stand on your feet and you be like, yeah, that's my boy. So if we're excited about a victory on the basketball court, what about the victory on the cross, y'all? Come on, somebody. What about the payment for the penalty of your sin so you don't have to go to hell? You can spend eternity with Jesus. Can somebody say amen? She's highlighting the fact that you are a man of God, and that's sexy to me. She goes on to say, and this is very interesting. I'm just going to walk chapter number one and highlight just a couple of thoughts in chapter number two. She goes on to say, and this is interesting. She says, I am dark but beautiful. 
Now, 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 when she says, I am dark, she's actually criticizing herself. And, the, and she's going to explain that in verse number six, because watch this, lighter skin, not, not white, not light skin, not caramel, but a lighter complexion was symbolic to royalty. If you had a sunburn, that means that you were part of servitude or slavery working in the sun. It's not about the actual complexion of the skin. It's about the texture, the roughness. Of, she says, my skin is sunburned. Ooh, this is so good. She says, I'm sunburned, but I'm beautiful. You better come correct. In other words, there's more to me than my physical body. I just, I just, I just... God help me. I, I want to talk to the sisters just for a second because sometimes sisters, it seems as though that you have, not, not, not everybody, not everybody, but some sisters, it seems as though that you wrestle with insecurities and this woman is not insecure at all. She says, I have some defects, but don't get it twisted. There's more to me than how I look in the, y'all ain't saying how, there, there's more to me than, than, than my extensions, than my hair, than my heels, where I bought my dress from. Are y'all with me in this place? There's more to me than my physical beauty. I'm dark. I, I, was, I was waiting on you sisters. I was waiting. On, let me try one more time. I'm dark. <laughs> Deacons get her. <laughs> so, so, so watch this. We can ready to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And, and I want to establish just a couple of ground rules. Uh, we had a phenomenal time in, um, in Birmingham. And it, man, it was just absolutely amazing. And so I'm sitting there next to my wife and the preacher. He hitting all upside the head. And I'm like, get a Jesus. Get a Jesus. And then he stopped hitting her and started slapping me upside my head. And I said, have grace, Jesus. <laughs> have, have grace. So, so this is what I appreciate my wife doing this. And I, I gave her, I paid her the same compliment. Um, when he was talking about her, I ain't say nothing. I let the Holy Spirit work and I prayed that he would work. <laughs> and I appreciated the fact when he was talking about me, you wouldn't, you talking about, talking about you weren't doing that. I appreciate that. So I'm going to say some things to both, both the husband and, and, and the wife, and I, I, want you, I want you guys to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your spouse all today. Can you say amen to that? He says, it's, get, it's getting hot up in her. <laughs> Jesus, it's already hot. It's getting hotter. <laughs> I am dark but beautiful. O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Cater, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tent. Look, look what she says, verse number six. She says, don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. This is why. This, this is why I'm sunburned. This is why portions of my skin is cracked. Because when I was younger, my brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards so I couldn't care for my own body. I'm not this way because I want to be. I'm scarred because something happened to me. So, so, so before we actually approach physical intimacy, there's a level of emotional intimacy that has to be achieved. Because married couples, if we don't, if we don't go here, the bed is just going to be a duty. Get it out the way. Hurry up for the kids wake up. You know I got to go to work in 10 minutes. Come on. When it comes to emotional intimacy, it requires, somebody shout vulnerability. 
vulnerability. When we speak of vulnerability, three elements. Where are you weak? How do you feel about the weakness? And then, most importantly, let me, before I even show you, before I even show you, let me, let me just say this. Because, and this is sad, this is sad. Most couples rarely go here to this level of vulnerability. And there's, there's several reasons. Here's the first reason. Because we never really take the time to explore. All we understand is, number two, how do you feel? She mad. He upset. He's angry. But tell me, what actually happened to make you mad? And then, more importantly, why do you really feel that way? So let, 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 me, let me explain. So a good friend of mine, and I, I thank God for his, just for being open, as he was sharing with me concerning a, a session he had with a couple. A couple comes into his office, and they've already had some problems, but um, they were supposed to come this way day anyway, but they had just got into something big, and this was the situation. She was mad at him because he was late picking up the kids. He was mad at her because he was only five minutes late. And at 10 minutes late, there's a financial penalty. So he showed up within the grace period. So there's no financial penalty. Kids were good. So I don't understand why you upset. She says, I'm upset because you late all the time. And that's, that's, that's my wife right there and some sisters. This one time comes all the time. Like I, so here's my sport, smart Alex. So I was late yesterday. So I was late day before yesterday. I was late last week. So you mean to tell me I've been late all, every day all month? No, no, no. So the counselor, my friend, says, tell me, why are you upset? I'm upset because he's late. No. Why are you upset? She paused and she started weeping. And she says, because when I was in daycare, my daddy was always late because he had a drug addiction. And he loved his drugs more than he loved me. So why she was really upset was not about him being late. It was about his failure to pick up the kids on time it triggered a memory of a painful moment in her life when she was hurt because she felt her daddy didn't care. And she didn't even know she was reflecting that on him. You late because you don't care. Not just what happened, not just how do you feel. Tell me really why you feel this way. And watch this. The counselor, I really, again, I appreciate him sharing this. It transformed the relationship. They achieved the level of emotional intimacy that they hadn't had in a while. Because she made herself vulnerable, exposed herself. Now, this is, somebody shout vulnerability is key. Let me show you the other side of vulnerability, why sometimes it does not work. And you really never know. Your, 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 your wife's boss, your husband's employees know him better than you. Sometimes because when I am vulnerable, what are you going to do with the information that I give you? More important question is, what are you going to do with it when you get mad at me? Are you going to take these arrows? Because this is, this is vulnerability. This is vulnerability. Give me your, give me your hand. Give me your hand. It's, it's, my, it's my wife. It's my wife with a knife in her hand, and I take the knife, and I put it here, and I just leave it here and trust her not to hurt me. That's what true vulnerability is. 
question is, again, if I give you this type of ammunition, if I tell you I really hurt and what's really going on, will you go ahead and do me in or will you have grace even when you're upset? So she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark. My skin is burned because what happened to me as a little girl, my brothers, they made me go outside. They made me do their job. And watch this. I couldn't take care of the body that should have been yours because I was forced to take care of somebody else's responsibility. So she makes herself vulnerable. That's verse number six. Verse number seven, she goes there, y'all, and she says to him, Solomon, she says, tell me, my love, where are you leading your flock today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? Now, this is a married woman talking to her husband saying, why should I be like a prostitute? In other words, emotional intimacy requires vulnerability, but not only vulnerability, it also requires She said, don't treat me like no whore. Don't think that you just sit here and lay with me and you get up and I know nothing about you. Where are you going? She didn't even say she wanted to be there. I just want to know where you're going. Here's what accountability says. Accountability says, what part of your life am I uninvited to participate in? Let that marinate for a second. I'm I'm, going to give you an example, but let me balance it for a second. Let me me balance that for a second because um, as many of you guys know, I am an introvert. So there are a lot of things that I like to do by myself. (laughs) One of the things I like to do by myself, I like to run and exercise by myself. So if I say I'm going for a jog, that means I'm going for a jog. So my wife, with her social self, decided to um, call our new neighbor that just came and found out that he's a runner too. And she said, oh, Tony, a runner. Won't you run with my husband? He'll be running every morning at 6 30. Won't y'all get together? I'm like, <laughs> even, even, even worse, even worse. I'm getting ready to go running. Well, I want to come. And then when we get out there, we don't run, we walk. It's not that she's uninvited to come with me, but I, brother do need his space. And by the same token, um, the last time she went to the spa, I didn't get an invitation. <laughs> you remember when you were scheduled to go to get the massage? You ain't tell, I, you like told me like the day of, hey, by the way, sweetie, I'm gonna be gone today. You didn't invite me, did you? So I do understand she needs her time, but I'm talking about something a little bit more deeper than that. Let, let me give you an example. Um, Aisha Daniel, Aisha here? Aisha, where's she at? Hey, I'm going to owe you $5. So Aisha, uh, when I met my wife, she, Aisha was four years old. And um, my wife never told me that I couldn't discipline her, but I couldn't discipline her. So I used to do something, and, and she was bad. Y'all, I'm talking. She was, she's sweet now. She was bad. So I used to do something. I, get, come, come here, come on. Get, get in this room. Get in this room. My wife could be, she could be eating. She could be on the computer. She could be watching TV. I said, Isha, come on in here. My wife will stop.
So it looks like the doorway. I'll be in the door. I said, I, I got it, baby. I got it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what it did, what it did, it messed with our level of emotional intimacy because she was saying, in this part of my life, I got this. So for the married couples, what part of your life are you saying to your spouse, you're not invited? That might be the door that hinders emotional. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just be real, man, because I'm, I'm reading a fantastic book, a fantastic book. Um, I forget the author's name. Um, it's called The Anatomy of an Affair. The Anatomy of an Affair. And what the author keeps emphasizing throughout the entire book and throughout all these stories, he says that affairs don't happen because folk are fine. He says affairs don't happen because people just have a lust problem. Affairs happen because there's somebody out of the, outside of the marriage that's meeting an emotional void that your spouse might have that you're not attending to. So when it comes to true sexual fulfillment, it's more than just physically. There is an emotional component of intimacy that has to be met as well. Can somebody say amen to that? So emotional intimacy, it requires vulnerability. It requires accountability. And it requires somebody shout affirmation. affirmation. Now, now watch this. Watch this. She says, don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. Now she, she, she goes on to talk about this physical defect in her body. She is making herself vulnerable. And literally, she is giving Solomon the power to build her up or to destroy her forever. Solomon responds in verse number nine. He says, you are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. How lovely are your cheeks. Your earrings set them on fire. How lovely is your neck in, enhanced by its strings of pearls. We will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes are like doves. Solomon is affirming her. Understand what affirmation is. Affirmation is your love for me minus my flaws equating how you really value me. So, so let me say, how many of y'all ever had an old, raggedy, beat-up car that you just absolutely loved? Yeah, okay, okay. So, so my first car was a 1978 Buick LeSabre. 1978. It was white, but it had a baby blue tan. So in the sun, it was white. At night, it was baby blue. <laughs> so I got the car when I was 15, 16 years old, right? Thought I was absolutely the man. But here's the thing about my car. My car, first of all, it was a gas guzzler because it was all steel, everything. Matter of fact, I drove it one time, and I, you know how they, at the gas station they have like that, that um, brick column? I hit that column, and I felt sorry for the column after I hit it. Because <laughs> my car was like, bam, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you understand? So my car, um, the driver's side door wouldn't open. So I would actually have to go through the passenger side. So if I had a date, I'd be like, <laughs> hold on, I got to get in first. <laughs> so I have to crawl in. <laughs> and this is the romantic. When she get in, 
Then I reach over and close the door. You understand? We, we, we worked it out. Seats, kind of raggedy, whatever. But I absolutely, watch this, watch this. I absolutely love my car. I washed it two, three, four times a week because I absolutely love my car. Watch this. It had flaws, but I still had high value and admiration for my car. This is what your spouse should feel when I show you my scars. Yes, I love you, but your love minus what you've shown me still equates to high value in my eyesight. Somebody shout affirmation. Let me help you just for a second. Fellas, let me hear you say, yeah. When we affirm our wives, we should affirm them based on who she is, who she is. So, and it's interesting. It really was getting on my nerve, but I kind of got the wisdom now, so it doesn't bother me. So I go to my wife and I say, sweetie, I love you. And she would say, why you love me? Serious? You gonna make me think? Cause I do. No, why you love me? What she was asking for, not just an emotional response, but she was asking to be affirmed as a person. So now when I tell I love her, I usually always end I love you and the reason why. The reason I love you is because you're a fantastic wife. You make me shine. That's why I love you, because you have chosen to stand by my side. Sickness, health, rich, whole bunch of poor days. <laughs> I love you because you're the mother of my children. You do a fantastic job taking care of my babies. I love you. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I ain't done. You, you messing up. Let me rewind. women, most in general, like to be valued based on who they are. When it comes to men, most men like to be valued based on what they do. And, and let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you, and I'm just speaking from a male's perspective because uh, I am a man, praise the Lord. So, so, this is one of the reasons why men are most irritated when you complain about what they haven't done because a man likes to be valued based on what he does. So when you complain about what I haven't done, when you haven't even appreciated what I've already done, I got one amen. So all the brothers just stick. So brothers, can I get at least one amen? amen. That's a weak amen. Yeah, that's a weak. Somebody show affirmation. affirmation. Sisters affirm him based on what he does. Even if it's little, go crazy. Make me feel like a man. <sighs> Brothers, affirm her based on who she is to you, who, who she is. And, and this is what we miss, and it's sad, especially as Christians, because, I mean, we actually have the, we have the blueprint. We have the, the guide. The Bible declares, give and it shall be given unto you. Scripture teaches that we have the power of life and death in our own tongues. And some of us are speaking what our spouses are instead of what they could be. And you frustrated because your spouse is not disappointing you. What do you mean they're not disappointing you? They have become exactly what you've been telling them they are, nothing. How about telling him what he could be? And when you tell a child, when you tell your husband, when you tell your wife what they could be, what I see in you, it motivates something internally to rise to the next level. Maybe I could be that person that she's. 
Somebody shout affirmation. Now, now watch this. When we get to chapter number two, sister girl speaks up, and I'm coming to a close. Coming to a close. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, lily of the valleys. That's what she said about herself. But she just said, don't look at me because I'm dark. What changed? Solomon's affirmation of her. Now, 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 for my married couples, let's go ahead and go there. Let's go ahead and go there. What does the bed look like, brothers, when your wife comes in there talking about, I'm dark, don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me, I'm dark. Versus, I am the lily of the valley. Friday morning star. <laughs> I wonder if I can get one witness up in here. <laughs> what changed wasn't just her mind, but what caused the change was his affirming words, despite what you say about yourself. Girl, when I look at you, mm, 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 mm. fine, blow my mind off the chain, on fire, brick house, ow. <laughs> No, no, no. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Chapter number two is going to be on fire. Because we got a whole chapter of her confessing, these are some insecurities that I have. These are some vulnerabilities that I have. And Solomon been building this girl up. And understand, and, and brothers, let me hear you say, yeah. yeah. All right. So husbands, and, and I'm throwing myself in there as well. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm Solomon in chapter number one. When I think it could be on later tonight, I'm just throwing myself. I'm throwing my, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's been a few days. It's probably about that time. I'd be like, hey, sweetie, um, <laughs> Kurt, we've been out of town, so it's been a few days. It's been a few days. So tonight, I'm prophesying. <laughs> so tonight, it should be glory. So, you know, when I woke up this morning, I was like, sweetie, I'm fixing lunch. You want me to fix you some lunch, babe? I got some, I got some, you, you need anything? Is there any gas in your car? I'll fill your car with gas. Have I told you I love you today? I love you because you're my wife. <laughs> love you, baby. Can you guys bless the Lord for my wife in this place? Come on, bless the Lord for my wife. Hallelujah. Because I want you guys to know that I support my wife. Hey gonna be on tonight. I support my wife. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm guilty when I think something's gonna happen to kind of get in this. But the reality is this is why Solomon got it going on. Because, let me come back to that verse. Watch this. Watch this. She says, kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. She's talking about his character. How fragrant your cologne, your name is like spreading fragrance. She's saying this sweet guy, this, this romantic guy, this spiritual guy, this caring guy, this is not just a seasonal thing that you put on when you, for Valentine's Day, for anniversaries, for, for your birthday. But this guy, this is who you are. So, so verse number 30, uh, excuse me, chapter number two, verses number one, 
its own. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. This man has built me up. My self-esteem is where it needs to be because he speaks into my life. And again, again, brothers, let me hear you say, yeah, one more time. If you don't build her up, somebody is waiting to. Somebody is, is waiting, waiting to. Ain't no brother got to tell my wife she fine. I tell her, you fine. She said the other day, you see me, I'm gaining weight. I can't tell you what I said, but it was something like this. I love all of that. <laughs> I love all of you. Every ounce, every pound, every stretch of millimeter seconds. <laughs> watch, watch this. Watch girl. Girl says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins. That's an aphrodisiac, because they use raisins with their deal as a sexual enhance. She's, she's saying, I'm ready. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. Watch this. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embrace me. Can a brother say touch down? <laughs> Field goal, touchdown, three-pointer, whatever you want to say. It was more than just a physical act, but emotional intimacy is there as well. What's also there that we don't see is a spiritual intimacy. And I said from the beginning, when it comes to sexuality, it should be the most thrilling for Christian couples because only the believer can not only reach physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, only true believers can reach spiritual intimacy. Why? Because this is what the book says in Genesis 2.24. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be what y'all one flesh, 25 is crazy. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. Watch this. And they felt what? No shame. No shame. So between a married couple, we have the capacity not only to physically to be one and emotionally to be on one accord, but because this is right in the eyes of God, we can actually stand before God with no shame, no guilt. Don't have to rush out of the bed thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. God forgive me, God forgive me. God forgive me. No, 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 we don't. Not when it's done like this. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, we're living in a society where the world is selling a different picture ahead and just shack together well you at least need to try it out before you say I do make sure everything here there's, there's a whole bunch of lies that the world is selling but watch this only God's way brings true physical emotional and spiritual fulfillment 
Now, as I'm ministering today and for the next couple of weeks, I don't need you guys to see this message through the lens of what you may have gone through in your past, even you and your spouse, maybe sometimes sexual abuse. Sometimes our image of sexuality is skewed because of things like that. I want you to see it through the lens of what God wants to do between you and your spouse, how he wants to bring true joy physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The Bible declares that they were naked. I'm done, y'all. And they were not ashamed. Somebody shout, no shame. No shame. Now, my concluding thoughts are this. Um, there were many of us that did not do Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.